Hello, welcome to Off The Shelf Reviews. I'd easily take a Tommy Jarvis over a Tommy Doyle. And I'm Gary, and today we're going to review and discuss Friday the 13th Part 4, The Final Chapter, released in 1984, with a screenplay by Barney Cohen and directed by Joseph Zito. Ian, why don't you give us the synopsis for the final chapter? Well, at the end of Friday the 13th, part 3, Jason had been defeated and taken to the local town morgue. He has woken up and started his bloody killing spree heading back to Crystal Lake and a house full of teens. But while also defeating those teens, he'll also make his way to the house next door that houses the Jarvis family. We are lost. Well, this film actually starts with a clip show. Yes. <laughs> Re recapping all the previous films up until this point, <laughs> yeah. which the director apparently said he was not happy with. Oh, right. He was like, I want this film to be my film. Like, I don't want other filmmakers' clips at the beginning of my film. No, but, you need it, mate. You need it. Well, I mean, does he really? <laughs> yeah. Like, the backstory's not that complicated. Well, no. Masked man kills teens. But, but, <laughs> Halloween had already fucked it up. For everybody else. They had tried to do something different in a franchise that had already been set up. So, you know, the third Halloween movie was a failure. We've got to bring the character back. You know, with with this, if a director wants to make this, the movie stand alone, then you've got to make the, the, the character has to have a background easily enough that every person is coming to the cinema to watch the film for this character. I don't think Jason had been set up. He'd only had technically two movies. He wasn't in the first one. Well, I mean, it's still the final <laughs> chapter. Who turns up just to watch the final chapter? I know. I've always seen the others. Blew my mind. It was the fact that Jason had started to have these successes in the cinema. Yeah. The people were like, "Oh, we're going to go see the final chapter. Let's see how how they put down this this killer who we thought was dead at the end of the last film <laughs> yeah, and the one before that." And I think this is the last Friday film to pick up events right at the end of a previous film. I think. Two rolled right into three. Three rolled right into four. Uh, I think two has a couple of months that rolls into three. I mean, it, 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 she, the girl at the end of number one does go home and then gets killed at home and then he comes back. And then, yeah, I think two has uh, a couple of weeks because he doesn't really get captured at the end of number two. He just mm. kind of turns up. But at the, end of no, at the end of number three, yeah, he gets fucking hung. He gets fucking hit in the head with an axe, gets chucked in the back of the, the ambulance van and he's off to the morgue. And he's up for like fucking 12 hours later. Yeah. <laughs> I do think it's really interesting that the fact that we got the final chapter movie like halfway through the series. Well, I mean, it's funny now, <laughs> yeah. but for all intents and purposes, the script writers, the directors, the studio, <laughs> yeah. everybody was like, this is the last one. Yeah, we ain't doing no So more. much so that they even called up Tom Savini. They were like, hey, Tom, you know this Jason that you created in the first film? Do you want to come back and do his makeup and do the kills for this film and actually end the series that you helped bring into this world? Yeah. So bringing Tom Savini back, it felt like... The end. Yeah, like, yeah. We're going to end it this time. Well, well, I also read in the notes that somebody in the background who was working on the film, uh, they'd worked on two and three, I believe, and they had just got so resentful that the films had been successful, but nobody had any respect for them for what they were doing. So it was more about, yeah, you know what, well, I'm going to end it. 
I'm ending this film. I'm sick and tired of making these movies, making all this money, and people are like, ha, we don't care about the masked killer walking around. Yeah, these films were commercial successes. They made money. They made, like, more than ten times their budget. Yeah. But, yeah, film critics were lambasting this series. Uh, I mean, even, uh, I think Roger Ebert said... An immoral and reprehensible piece of trash that sold more tickets on its opening weekend than any other movie so far in 1984. And that is a very, very depressing commentary. It really makes me sad. And he's not wrong. Yeah, but was... at the same time, there's definitely an audience for immoral, irreprehensible trash. I mean, yeah, that's it. He, he sits there and goes, I went and watched the fourth Friday the 13th movie and it was trash. What did you, ex what did you really expect? What were you going into the Friday the 13th movie going, hmm... What am I wanting from this movie? <laughs> I'm wanting Jason to kill teens. And and when you're when you're kind of selling this movie, and I've been thinking about this while we were doing the 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 Nightmare on Elm Streets as well, is that back in the fifties, these movies would have been gold. Drive-ins, teens going to them, you know, that's that's your audience that you're selling it. When you're selling these movies to 40 to 50 year old people who are sitting in the cinema after watching like Color Purple, you know, and fucking Oscar winning pieces by Charlton Heston. And then they go, well, I'm going to watch a Friday the 13th movie. I wonder how good it is. <laughs> you're, you're, you're causing problems for yourself. But yeah, I, I'm i a big fan of this. A big fan of this one. I, I, I When I was growing up, I'd watched The Nightmare on Elm Street, but I'd never had the chance to get the Fridays. You know, the Fridays weren't being shown on TV. You know, people didn't really have box sets back then, you know, and, and the films were being released one at a time, really, on VHS. So it wasn't until I was in my, like, I must have been 14, 15, really, and a friend of mine had bought uh, two, three, four, five, and six of the Friday the 13th movies on VHS from their local VHS shop. So we fucking, we, we binged them, you know, and, and I hadn't even seen the first one at this point, so I didn't even know Jason wasn't even in the first one. I'm like, oh my god, this guy's great. I can't wait to watch the first one. Spoilers. Um, and then when I got to, to this one, I, I was really surprised. Like you said, the the, the beginning happens straight after, you know. They're, 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 they're sorting through the bodies. They're talking about all the kills. They pick up Jason's body. They put it on this gurney and they take it to the morgue and we actually follow them, which is really quite intriguing. We, you'll never see this ever again. Like maybe in nine Jason goes to hell. We might see his heart. True, yeah. Right? But in this one, they actually wheel the body in. We get Bruce Maller playing Axel, the uh, the uh, morgue attendant. Like, this, this is how much I researched this movie. This is the guy who starred in, like, five, four or five of the Police Academy movies. It's just like a fucking bumbling idiot. And here right. he is in this as this cool, suave morgue attendant who's trying to get this girl to come back <laughs> to the back room with him. Yeah, who knew just, you know, ferrying around all of these corpses was such a horny job position. Hey, man, it's the 80s. Right. You know? <laughs> but she's not interested until all of a sudden she's interested. <laughs> And we'd already had Jason fake coming back to life as his arm keeps flopping out the side <laughs> yeah, of the bed. Yeah. I'm Which, awake. I'm awake. <laughs> we say, hey, knock it off. Stop having sex. I will kill you. Yeah. <laughs> Christmas! Holy Jesus, God damn! Holy Jesus, jumping Christmas shit! They try to get it on, um, and then she gets scared by Jason and goes and goes running out of the room, and he gets left on his own. And I've always loved this kill. Like, I rarely remember many of the movies, the horror, uh, the stories in the horror movies. 
But a good kill is still a good kill. And he comes up behind the guy and he pulls the bone saw across his neck and then twists his fucking head around. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah, Tom <laughs> Savini. That is great. It is probably the best kill in the entire film as well. <laughs> and and being the first, it sets everything up really, really well. Yeah, yeah. And, well, Jason doesn't finish there, though. He wanders right out for the nurse, pins her up against the wall, stabs her and drags the knife all the way down her midsection. Yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, Jason, you ain't messing around today. No, no, he's, <laughs> he's, he's not. Like, And uh, this is the thing. There's, there's a whole competition going on between these horror franchises at the time. You know, like I said, we had our Halloweens, we had our Nightmare on Elm Streets, and we had our, our, our um, Friday the 13th. And, you know, they were really conflicting over which way they wanted their franchises to go. Jason doesn't fuck around. He's like, oh, you had blood in Halloween too? Well, guess what? You know, I've just done three movies. I'm going to up it with some more. But it's the idea that he's just going to kind of wander back. You know, that, that really that really sticks. I mean, I know this... The, the, the series of movies starts to have a few ideas for Jason, doesn't he? He mainly sticks around Camp Crystal Lake. He mainly kills the teens around there. But he will kill everyone along that path right <laughs> we, we follow a group of teens that are heading to like a holiday home for spring break or something yeah. or wherever yeah and they they drive past this hitchhiker <laughs> you know with the, and then with the banana and they're just like should we pick her up hey we ain't got room for her let's keep going and jason's like well she's mine then <laughs> <laughs> i always remember that banana being yes. squeezed you know? <laughs> that poor banana but it's it's like when you don't have the best direction, you've got to use utilize what you can to, to give off the image that you're trying to sell the audience. So, you know, even though we see the knife go through the neck, I do think it's the focus on the banana being squeezed that really leaves the image in your head. Yes, it does. Yeah. Of, of, what it, of what's just happened and what the hell's just happened to this girl. But yeah, you've got the teens driving along. Like, I... I Really did not write down many of the teens' names or the actors because they just it just didn't appeal They're to me. Interchangeable. They're interchangeable, except Crispin Glover. Yes. Crispin Glover playing Jimmy. Like this is a year before he'll go on to be Martin McFly's dad. Yeah, you know, and I, like he's probably the most noticeable character in the whole of it because. The film does kind of focus mainly on him, you know, him and Teddy are talking in the back of the car about about Jimmy being some kind of dead fuck. He couldn't even get with Blowjob Betty. You <laughs> no, know. didn't he just break up with, uh, yes. with, with, with Blowjob Betty? Betty. <laughs> yeah. And and Teddy, like, I don't know how close they are as friends, but Teddy's just like, look, you know, I'm going to put it into my invisible computer about what you are. And yeah, the results don't lie. You're a dead fuck. What? It says, it says you're a dead fuck. What? A dead fuck? Well, they're all dead fucks anyway. <laughs> oh, dead fuck. And we also keep cutting to um, the Jarvises. We, ha we have uh, Tommy uh, Jarvis and his sister Trish. Uh, Tommy, played by Corey Feldman, a very young Corey Feldman, before he'd even go on to do Gremlins at this point. This is pre-Gremlins, pre-Goonies. Uh, Pre Lost Boys, I don't even think this is pre before he got with the other Corey. So they didn't even set up that. This is pure Corey Feldman before he hit the drugs real bad. You know, you've got uh, Kimberly Ble uh, Beck playing uh, Trish Jarvis, his sister. I was a bit confused. Like she's out jogging with her mum, and her mum, she's talking to her mum about how she's spoken to her dad, and 
they, the mum and dad are separated and they're living at this house or they're on holiday at the house. We're not entirely sure. Um, and as they're running out of the scene, one of them mentions to the other one that they must be horny. And I couldn't work out if it was the mum telling the daughter that she must be horny or if it was the daughter telling the mum. Uh, it, it's got to be Crystal Lake. It's got to have that effect <laughs> on them. The I mean, like, there's been a serial killer going around for three movies killing untold number of kids and campers in the area. But we ain't leaving because we horny. <laughs> yeah. I bet he could stand this. What do you think? I think you're getting horny. Like, I like the, the, the introduction to Tommy's character, Corey Feldman. You know, the explanation that, you know, because he's a kid, he loves special effects, he loves horror movies, he loves video games. Definitely a nod to Tom Savini, all of the masks oh, and stuff. totally, totally. You know, and, like, how good is Feldman? Like, or how good was Feldman, or has he always been this good? I don't know if Hollywood just fucked him up. But he, like, even at a young age, I got behind him. Yeah, you know, I didn't want a kid to die in this movie. I kind of figured it wasn't going to happen, but it was an interesting uh, take or a gamble for this film, and it does feel like two films stitched together. Where yeah, we're going to follow a family unit being terrorized by Jason, but we're also going to have all of the teen kids turn up to just be cannon fodder for Jason at the same time. Yeah, yeah, which <clears throat> which which is nice. But going back to uh, to Corey Feldman, Ted White didn't really have very many nice things to say about Corey Feldman oh, and right. said that he was a mean-spirited, bratty son of a bitch and did not like working with him. However, Ted has said that when you step back and look at the film, Corey Feldman was a star in the making. Yes. But his personality or behavior on set was not very good. And Corey Feldman said, well, he was like that because he spent hours and hours and hours waiting to do scenes and then the director didn't really give him much direction and, and so therefore he was getting antsy because he was sat around for most of the time doing nothing. Well, that's it. And I suppose when you look at some of the the, the Feldman sequences, he's not be he's not really being Tommy. He's being himself. Yes, and yes. that's what we get from Tommy. We're like, oh, Tommy's this cool little kid. No, it's it's literally Corey Feldman being Corey Feldman in scenes because the director's just like, I, I, I honestly don't care. Well, Ted White also uh, didn't have very many nice things to say about the director either. <laughs> Ted White's on a roll. Oh yes, <laughs> yes. I mean, Ted White's also a giant. I mean, if he's also playing Jason, he's gonna be pretty intimidating. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he got upset with the director. He even, I mean, Ted White even said that this film was a piece of shit. Um, and uh, was very upset with the director because there wasn't enough budget to have enough stunt people to do the stunts for all of the kills in the film. Right. So a lot of the actors were required to do their own stunts. Ted White, being a stunt guy originally, was just like, this is preposterous, you should not be having your actors doing this. It's dangerous, yeah, yeah. Um, and he also even almost had a falling out with Tom Savini as well. Oh, fucking hell. Because <laughs> Tom yeah. Savini was trying to tell Ted how to do the stunt. Yeah. And uh, Ted was like, look, you do the makeup, I do the stunt work. Let's keep it that way. It's just like, oh. But apparently the two of them became friends once Ted also did know that that Tom was a stuntman as well. (laughs) So they found some common ground and actually got on well with each other. (laughs) But tensions, yeah. Well, I mean, I can understand that if your director is throwing together a movie that he doesn't care about and he's saying that it's the final one, but actually everybody is doing their best to make it the best one that they can and you kind of know that deep down inside if it's really, really good, you're going to make money and you're all going to come back anyway. You know, it's 
it's conflicted. But uh, once the teens all turn up at their summer house, you know, uh, Tommy and his sister Trish are kind of excited because at least they might have some friends to play with. But they're not really the age to be messing around with, with, with Tommy. But Tommy, well, he does want to really hang out with them. Like, he gets that peeping Tom moment, I suppose, yeah. when he's in his bedroom. Like... Now, of course, both films were filmed separately. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't really know what Tommy's reacting to. Well, what, sorry, we don't really know what Corey's reacting to, but we all know exactly what Tommy's reacting to. Yeah, yeah. Well, that just shows how good Corey Feldman was as an actor, is that he could act in his own scene <laughs> and make us feel like he was looking at some girls getting undressed. But the day after, he gets driven down to the, the waterfront by his sister. Yeah, yeah. And the twins are there, like... Skinny dipping. So he's like, no, you can't <laughs> yeah. be looking at this. We're taking you right back home. Like, like I, I, I honestly, I don't understand what people's issues were with this movie about being trash. Like everything in this movie ticks all the boxes I expect from the Friday the 13th movie. Teens wandering around in woods, some alone, some in groups, you know, meeting up with scantily clad twins who, you know, one might want to have sex with the other one doesn't. You're not entirely sure. They go to a lake. They all strip off like... I did I did not have holidays like this in the eighties, people. Which this should be like a thing. Skinny <laughs> But we are also introduced to Rob Dyer, played by E. Eric Anderson. Uh, Rob is a Rob is the brother to one of the characters in uh, number two, I think it is, one of the previous movies. And he's come to Crystal Lake to look for his sister or find evidence of what's happened to her. Kind of what they would do uh, with the remake, Friday the 13th, with the yeah. guy coming to find his sister as well. Um, and I, I kind of think that's cool. I, I don't understand what the director was thinking. Uh, look, we can't have any flashbacks, but we're going to bring in a character that kind of talks about the previous movies. That's why you need flashbacks, you know, because if you're new to the series, you're like, who's that? Where are we? Why is this the final chapter? What the fuck's going on? Um, and, and Rob and Trish kind of, you know, get off to a good start. Like, he's going back to his tent out in the middle of the woods and she's saying to him, like, look, you know, if it gets wet, if it gets scary, you can always come back and um, stay with us. And Rob gets back to his tent and as, he, as he's hanging around, he sees a shape move to his tent. And then when he comes back to his tent, all of his stuff's broken, including his gun. So you're kind of left to assume that that was Jason. Right. You know, he, he came across his tent and just went, I'm going to fuck this shit up <laughs> in my woods. <laughs> like, um, but we've cut to nighttime now. And this is when Jason really starts to make a lot of his moves. Yeah. Uh, we've we've already had the twins kind of come into the house and they're flirting with every single guy <laughs> uh, around. And Sam and her boyfriend, Paul, have a bit of a falling out because uh, one of the twins takes a liking to Paul. And Paul's too stupid to realise that he shouldn't be doing this. So Sam's just like, well, I'm going for a swim. It's night time. I'm in the woods where the serial killer supposedly was about three years ago. But I'm, I'm okay. I'm going to go out on my own. And so she goes about out three there. years ago. It's like two days ago. Two days, yeah, yeah. That's, that's <laughs> right. Yeah, it's only 24 hours. The body's been missing. Nobody cares. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm going to take all my clothes off and I'm going to go and sit in this dinghy. Yeah. Yeah. Now, apparently, this actress very upset with the director. Oh, really? Very, Why? very upset. Because she got hypothermia while she was filming these scenes. Because oh, yeah. the director would not let her get out of the water between takes. 
and kept her there for hours. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, again, another reason why Ted was not very happy with this director. Well, yeah, well, because she, she strips naked, doesn't she, waiting for Paul, and then she yeah. stands there for a couple of minutes. And I was a bit surprised. I was like, my God, like, the camera's just lingering on this wide shot of her naked. Like, she, she could have been there for hours. Yeah, well, she was. <laughs> and then she's going to swim through this lake, which, yeah. which is not a set. That's, yeah. a, that's, a, that's an actual lake. It's a real lake, you know. Not, and it was cold. Not, not a stunt lake, you know. <laughs> I mean, this is really cool because Jason comes out of the water. Yeah. Jams her right through the boat with his machete. Like, yeah. Like, was, like, was she he... seems mildly um, discomforted by it all. <laughs> she doesn't really scream out in agony. She's just like, oh. <laughs> I, well, I don't know what, how, how how you would scream if you took I, don't, I just don't think go. she had any fight left in her at this point. <laughs> she was knackered. She was just like, oh, just kill me. Just kill me, I'm so cold. <laughs> like, did Jason swim to her? Was he walking on the bottom of the lake? Yeah, I don't know. I, like, I, I just think it was just really <laughs> good. Like, was he just underneath the boat the whole time? Yeah, because we, we don't hear him walk out into the water. I imagine he walked underneath the bottom, got underneath the boat, and then just floated up. <laughs> just, <laughs> just activate buoyancy. <laughs> activate buoyancy. <laughs> but Paul, um, you know, tells the twin, look, I can't be doing this anymore. And he, he breaks away and he heads out and he swims out to the boat as well. Did he get hypothermia? I don't think no. so. <laughs> um, I think the director learned at this point. He was like, oh, oh yeah. my actors are really suffering and they're in the hospital now. Yeah. <laughs> He then the and Paul swims up to the boat, immediately comes across Sam's body, freaks out, swims back to the dock, and takes a harpoon gun to the nuts. Ouch. That's a kill, mate. Oh yeah. That was a kill. <laughs> that was a kill. <laughs> we just had a double whammy of kills. Yeah. Let's, let's keep him going, movie. Let's keep him going. <laughs> well, this is it. Like Jason just goes into like full stealth supernatural mode now. Like like uh the the twins one of them is, is broken off um, from Paul and she's decided that she wants to fuck uh, Jimmy now. So woohoo for Crispin Glover there. Um, Teddy is still trying to fuck the other twin, but she won't have anything of it. So he finds some really old black and white movies. Yeah. And he's flirting with the teddy bear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you've also got Sarah and her boyfriend, Doug. They've decided to go upstairs as well to have sex. Lots of teens like to have sex in the middle of Camp Crystal Lake. But it's the way that Jason just kind of takes them all out now. We, we've we also seen the fact that, like, I don't know what happened, but Trish and Tommy kind of fucked off at one point. So the mum comes back to the house and realises the door's unlocked, the rain and lightning's coming down, and there's no power in the house. Their dog's missing too. Well, oh, like, <laughs> Gordon, at one point, the dog just jumps out the window. Oh, and never comes back. Yeah, well, that, that that's <laughs> that's later on. Yeah, the moment he's with Trish and and and, and, and Tommy. But yeah, like there's a lot of window jumping. In oh this yeah, maybe I like but, I was amazed. But yeah, the uh, mummy Jarvis, she kind of gets jumped by Jason and then disappears from the movie. Yeah, that's it. We never see her body again. No, like we we'd also heard reports through Rob to. Uh, Trish that like Jason's body's missing from the morgue and two medical personnel that worked at the hospital are missing as well so it's like okay so, so Jason at this point is still hiding bodies I guess so yeah it like, seems a bit weird like he's carried like I don't know why he's <laughs> done with the bodies at the hospital but he must have carried them somewhere and hidden them that nobody's fucking found them like there was a shit ton of blood did he clean the blood up after I don't think so I don't know <laughs> but when he gets to the house you know, like like the, the, the fucking uh, hitchhiker. Did he hide her body too? I'd imagine so. <laughs> I'm just going to go through the list. But he, he goes through the house. So he, 
he he uh, he, he waits until Jimmy and and the twin have finished having sex, and Jimmy goes downstairs to Teddy and he throws the panties in front of uh, Teddy's face. He's like, ha ha ha! I'm gonna go get some wine, and he walks into the kitchen. And he's shouting for the the bottle opener. Where's the corkscrew? Where's the corkscrew? And and Jason just fucking slams <laughs> it in his fucking hand, and then nails him in the face with a meat cleaver. That's a good fucking kill. That's li- a great kill. I like that kill because it's great special effect as well from yeah. Savini again. Like like it's so quick that hit the face that you really have to slow it down to see that it's a prosthetic head. But it, the shock, you're like, oh, he's yeah. fucking dead. It's the next bit that throws me because. The twin is up the stairs and she's she's looked out the window. Now prior to this, her sister had gone had gone to go home and Jason had nailed her in the back with a big piece of metal, which I thought was a really great kill. Out of all the gory kills that we see, I love a f- kill with style. You know, I just love the fact that he waited for the lightning strike to, to silhouette it all. Um, but the other twin inside, she'd seen that her sister's bike is not left, so she's kind of wondering, well, where, where my sister is? And she's looking out the window for a couple of minutes. And then Jason just appears outside the window, grabs her and throws her fucking flying out the window. Now, my question is like, so he's just killed Jimmy in the kitchen. Yep. Climbed up the outside of the house to the first floor. Yep. Waited for her at the window, pulls her out the window and sends her flying, climbs back down again, goes back into the kitchen, picks up a knife and then goes and kills Teddy. Yeah, this Jason's all over the place, isn't he? <laughs> I mean, he's not teleporting yet, but he's just no. systematically all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> That's some great kills. Yeah, her going out the window and then crashing onto the car. Yeah. Great kill. The the, the knife through the back of the projector screen through yeah, his head. Yeah, that was good. Great, great quick kills. Yeah. I, I like the one where he goes upstairs as well. Like Doug and Sarah finished having sex and she goes out the bed, uh, out the bathroom and Doug is in the shower singing. And then Jason comes in and turns the light off. And you're like, what's going on? And he just fucking crushes his skull against yeah, the wall. Yeah, against the wall. Yeah, yeah. It's like, fuck, that was that was another good good special effect. You know, Sarah comes in, gets absolutely freaked out, runs down the stairs, um, and as she's going to go out the front door, a double-headed axe comes flying through the front door and nails her in the chest. <laughs> like, he was stood outside. He's like, I'm going to wait. Yeah. I'm going to wait and throw. <laughs> shot <laughs> now one of my favorite deaths has already occurred at this point as well where the guy who's turned up looking for his sister ends up uh, getting chased around with tris and he's like oh i need to go down into the basement i've left something down there yeah. and he goes running <laughs> down there and jason just grabs oh, i'll take that out of the toolbox and starts stabbing rob repeatedly and rob's like oh god he's killing me he's killing run trish run he's killing me <laughs> Rob is like, I can't stop him. He's hurting me back. Oh, he's pierced the skin now. Oh, red stuff is coming. Oh, I'm hurting now. It's I, it's the fact that as he walked down the stairs into the darkness, I'm like, why are you going down there? It's absolutely fucking terrifying. You don't go down there. And as they walk back up, he drops his knife and goes, oh, I've got to go back down for my knife. Yeah. I'm like, no. And then when he goes back down there, he gets killed. She runs outside. That's when the dog jumps out the window. Yeah, right. Dog's like, I'm out of here. Oh, I'm gone. <laughs> Fuck this shit. Like, like, I wasn't too sure if they were supposed to, Jason was supposed to have thrown the dog out the window or the dog's just like, no, fuck this shit. But she's like, oh, I have to go back and save Rob now. 
And so she goes back and she goes down the stairs, sees the body, and then turns back around and Jason just grabs her foot through the fucking stairs. Right. I'm like, did you not just fall for the trick a fucking second time? So cute. Lots of chasing around the house now. Trish is trying to look after her younger brother. What was the mentality in that, right? Her and Rob go to the house. They've come across Tommy. They're like, Tommy, we don't know where mum is. And and Rob... Stay in the house. Rob's pretty sure that there could be a hockey mask psychopath walking around. Stay here on your own. Right. (laughs) No! Well, that didn't work out too well because Jason still shows up anyway. Ends up throwing bodies through the windows. Yes. Because they're like, I'm going to put some nails in the door now. I'll keep him out. No, corpses are being thrown through the windows. They get chased upstairs. The end. I mean, Jason literally walks right through the door. Oh, fucking yeah. That door did not stand a chance. Great shot. Yeah. Uh, They end up hiding in Tommy's room. Put the little little shelf in front of the door. They're like, oh, I'll keep him out. But no, <laughs> yeah. he axes his way through the door. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and then they try the old Dream Warriors approach. They drop the TV yeah, on his head. Welcome to primetime, Jason. <laughs> yeah. Knocks him right out. And they try to sneak past him. Like, yeah, so as well, we're going to walk past. I'm like, you can still see him breathing. Like, they, all it did was shock him. The guy's taking a fucking axe to the head. That's, that's not going to take him. I... I, I like this kind of ending, but maybe it's my old age as well that I just I just don't see how it could be like timed. It just it just doesn't work because Tommy had come across a lot of the information from Rob about Jason, about Jason being this kid and, and what's going on and got an image of him. Now uh Tommy Jarvis being into horror masks and being a creator himself comes up with the idea that maybe he can distract Jason a little bit if he makes himself look like Jason. So he goes to the bathroom and decides that that's what he's going to do. Now in this time Trish has decided that she's going to lure Jason away and Tommy is supposed to run but Tommy doesn't listen. So Trish then goes lures Jason out of her house and goes back into the house of the teens and in that time Jason has put bodies in position <laughs> yeah he's put Kristen glover over the doorway yeah so she's like well i can't get between his legs to get out that doorway i'm gonna have to smash open this window and go out that way <laughs> yeah, like, really i was window. like the staging doesn't make any sense just i mean because i know the camera's framed where it looks like you can't go underneath him but yeah but jason just fucking yanks him down from the door it's, yeah. fucking, it's such a great shot <laughs> But she she gets she jumps out the window. She gets hurt. She's like knocked out for like thirty seconds or whatnot. And then she's making her way back to her house to see if Tommy's escaped. And this whole time, Tommy's in the bathroom shaving his head. Yeah. I don't know how long it takes you to shave your head, but it doesn't take like three minutes. Well, he was using scissors to begin with. Yeah, he used scissors. <laughs> yeah. Then he used the bic razor. Yeah. Like it's like he didn't cut his head once. Well, no. No, he's like completely clean shaven. And she she's there with Jason. She's got the machete. She's kind of trying her best to keep him back. Jason takes a hand shot, you know, and it's a pretty grisly wound. Yeah, it's pretty grisly. Um, he takes the she takes his mask completely off of his head, which reveals his face for. Uh, like I can't remember if he if his face was revealed in two and three. I think it was. I think it I has think been it every time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but in this one, you're like, oh, that's pretty goddamn shocking. And then he's distracted by. Tommy. Now, I can understand Jason getting distracted by somebody wearing his mum's sweater. Yeah. But and kind of and, looking like his mum. And kind of looking like his mum, but with the whole oh, you remind me of me thing. I was like, did Jason, was he aware of what he looked like when he was young? Well, it's just enough time for uh, 
uh, for the for the death strokes now essentially to come in against Jason. Yeah. As he gets machete to the face. Yeah. Now uh, he still fights back a little bit, and then it's uh, Tommy who picks up the machete and uh, and finishes him off. But like all of the kills in the film have been pretty short, pretty like quick deaths. But yeah. watching Jason slide down that oh, machete yeah. blade, <laughs> yeah, like th- that felt pretty That's final. Good. Yeah. Now originally they were just going to decapitate Jason, but some producer was like, "Yeah, but if they make a sequel to this, they could probably just have Jason put his head back on or just carry his head underneath his arms for the rest of the film. So let's cut him to pieces." To make sure there is no more sequels. You're not really cut him to pieces, though, because I've seen the next movie. <laughs> He's got a body. <laughs> well, it's not Jason's body. Shh, spoilers! <laughs> but yeah, Tommy just fucking wails into Jason as many can. Die, die, die! And his sister's like, Tommy, you're going mad! No, no, Tommy! After everything Tommy's fucking seen and dealt with and his mum possibly being dead, I think the most, the least we could do is let him fucking chop Jason to pieces with a machete. They go to the hospital and, you know, she's she's talking to the police and she's talking to the doctor. She's asking where her mum is and they're just like, look, let's not talk about this just yet. You've, you've been heavily traumatised. And um, Tommy comes into the room and it, it's kind of creepy because he it just kind of stands there, doesn't he? Appearing in the doorway, kind of like a little itty bitty Jason there. Um, and then he walks up and he gives her a hug and they're kind of getting all emotional. And then Corey Feldman stares at the camera like, this is the end. Or is it? Or is it? Is it? <laughs> God damn it, movie. You were supposed to be the last one. <laughs> yeah, you said in the title, final chapter. You can't end on a sequel bait now. <laughs> but you did it anyway. You did it anyway. <laughs> Well, Liam, what were your favourite scenes from this Friday? Oh, man, a lot of them were my uh, favourite scenes were kills, like the the uh, corkscrew to the hand for Crispin Glover and the girl being stabbed in, in the lightning storm. Um, even Rob dying in the basement. Oh, my God, he's killing me! He's killing me! It's just so cheesy and so bad, but it just it works in the context of this movie. I don't know what it is. Like... like like, this movie feels what an 80s horror movie kind of should feel like. And I know we've done a lot of 80s horror movies, but when you take a movie like Spookies and you try to compare it to a movie like even Friday the 13th Part 4, Friday the 13th Part 4 fucking just outshines them. You know, I know it's got problems, but it just it just so works that from the very start kill with that bone saw to the very final moment that Jason slides his face down a machete, you're like, yeah, I fucking watched a Friday the 13th movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah there were some great kills. I'm going to recap some of the kills from this yeah. film. The neck screw head spin was great. Nurse getting stabbed. The hitchhiker getting stabbed. Yeah. The banana getting squeezed. <laughs> stabbed on a dinghy. Yeah. Harpoon stick in the crotch. Yeah. Stabbed or impaled into the fence. Yeah. The corkscrew to the hand. Yeah. Knife to the face. Yeah. Thrown out of a window onto a car. <laughs> stabbed in the back of the head through a projector screen. Face crushed in the shower. Axe to the chest. Machete to the face. Crispin Glover dancing. <laughs> Crispin Glover dancing. Uh, but yeah, those were all pretty much my favourite scenes. But there was one 
really genuinely creepy atmospheric moment in the yeah. film and that is we we st- the film starts at the massacre at yeah, crystal yeah. lake yeah. and uh, the helicopter or the police sergeant or whatever is just like all right it's time to move out everybody it's just a really great atmospheric shot once all the ambulances have taken off all the noise and commotion of the paramedics and police have died down yeah and the camera just stays there It just lingers yeah. where this massacre took place and now it's all back to being still and silent again. Yeah. And 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 it just lingering there was just a nice little calm moment, but yeah. a surreal moment considering all the all the carnage that happened there. Great little moment. It was weird because I was watching it on DVD and I thought my DVD had stopped because I was just like, why are we lingering here? And then it cuts to the hospital. I was like, oh, yeah. well, okay. It's just yeah. a moment. Yeah. It was just a moment, yeah. Yeah. Well, Ian, do you recommend this Friday? I do recommend uh, Friday the 13th Part 4. This is the start of the Tommy Jarvis uh, saga with with Jason. And, like, with, with, with horror series, you really need a good character. Freddy's got Nancy. You know, Saw, uh, Jigsaw, he's got all of the cops that he goes up against. You know, and, and, and Jason needed his own. This is where Tommy Jarvis comes in. They won't take it in in the uh, in the way that I w- wish that they had taken it, but they do give Jason this character, some somebody else that we can follow, other than these no nameless teens walking around getting fucking meat cleavers to the face. We all love that, but you've got to give the movie substance, or it's got nothing. And for me, like I said, I, I I'm quite fond of this movie. I, I'm a I'm a bit of a fan of Corey Feldman, so I think that this film really shines with him in the the guy playing Jason. He has some of his own little own personality uh, things in there. But, I mean, Kane Hodder's our main guy. Every Jason is different and everyone has their own little personal quirks. This one's quite cool. Uh, Crispin Glover dancing. Can't ever get wrong with that. Crispin Glover being ripped off a fucking doorway as Jason walks through him. Can't get rid of that. It's, yes, I definitely recommend it. Well, (laughs) I'm not quite so keen on this Friday, the final chapter. I think it's fairly average. You know, it's not one that I'd revisit regularly. It's a fun horror film. It's the essential 80s slasher film. Lots of kills, lots of boobs, plenty of suspense and great gore and an iconic horror villain. I like the different approach here, though. Having a family get pulled into the story of a bunch of teens getting killed. Uh, It added a little bit extra to the formula. It mixed things up a bit. The Jason fodder this time around were alright, but for me, not the most memorable, except for that Crispin Glover dance. Yeah. The script was basic, the characters mostly forgettable, the final chase and climax was pretty decent, Harry Manfredini's score was great, the gore and makeup were all Tom Savini masterpieces, Mm. and Jason himself was as terrifying as ever. Part 4 may have had the most gore and nudity of the series to date but it was lacking something Mm. most of the film felt like padding and i know this film has many many fans and i don't dislike the movie it's just not my favorite friday jason is back and this is the one you've all been screaming for Ah. (laughs) thanks for watching off the shelf reviews (laughs) 